FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio. And this morning, special shout out to all those listening in Newcastle. Yep. Yes. On 87.6. That's us. That's us. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. Uh, that'll be the Cooks Hill transmitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, or North Boyan Up in Western Australia on 88.0. Or Port Macquarie, New South Wales, also on 87.6. North Boyan, you mean out in Western Australia? Yeah, way, way out west. Boyan Up. Where the rain don't it fall. It might be south, you don't know. Well, it's definitely not east. No. <laughs> no, it's not. It is. Western Australia is doesn't west have to me. <laughs> It is Western, it is remote, and um, I feel sorry for anyone living there, but nah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Apparently, Australia. Perth is so nice. Everyone it says, is. like, Lovely Perth city. is great. I've never been there. Have you been there, La? Many times. Really? Yes. You like love Perth. Spending love Western Australia. Really? It's a great state. Okay. I, I'm not sure whether I've ever been to Boyne Up, but I've been to Manjum Up, and I've been to a bunch mm-hmm. of other ups, but I can't remember what they all are. Mm-hmm. All the ups. All the ups. See, it's just an up state. Is that is that what you're grateful for this morning that Western Australia exists? Well, I could be. Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> I mean, think about what we would be missing out on if we didn't have Western Australia. Money. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Look, I'm just that's, I'm just speaking the truth. My my ancestors come from Western Australia. You oh, would be missing you know. out on me if you didn't have Western oh. Australia. So you know. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, hey, let's get into our first question for the quiz. When the risen Jesus visited the disciples in the locked upper room, what phrase did he say three times according to John's account? 0491 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer to this one, you will go into the draw to win our amazing triple prize that we're giving away in our draw, our three awesome um, biography books. They are The Man That Couldn't Be Killed, The French Pilot, and The Richest Caveman. But again, that question was, when the risen Jesus visited the disciples in the locked upper room, what phrase did he say three times according to John's recount of the events? Okay, if you know the answer, number to call, 0491-064-669. And, of course, this week we have been featuring uh, journeys of faith in our giveaways. We have been featuring journeys of faith in our interviews. We have had the Owen Shaw story that has mm. been going all week. We have uh, the Doug Batchelor, the man who couldn't be killed. We've got uh, the French pilot stories that are available as giveaways. And then, of course, Signs of the Times has this amazing Journey of Faith program coming up this Friday evening. What a great way to spend your Friday evening. Mm. You can you can jump on there. It's a live program. You can ask questions. Yeah, just fantastic. Get amongst it. And yeah, Greg's a guy that I am kind of. I was kind of a coworker with. He was working up north, and I was working down here for the church. And we would meet up on Zoom meetings every month or so. And just talk about the amazing ministry that's going on. And and to see him now, like obviously you guys heard the snippets just then of his crazy life and to yes. see the outcome now he's 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 a pastor he's a church pastor now. like god has blessed he this guy's life not be alive so please 
listen. To, and if you want any information about that, 0491 is the number to call or text, and we'll put you in the right direction to be able to, yeah, have a listen. Okay, let's talk about some positively different news this morning. Okay, La, we're going to talk about my favourite news at the moment. My favourite genre of news. Motorbikes. No. Um... Um, okay, go ahead. News about food, food, food. food <laughs> no, 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 no. Food. News about correct uses of alcohol. All right. This is this is always amazing. It is a news. cleaning agent. It is a fuel. Mm-hmm. It is a antiseptic. Mm-hmm. Alcohol has its place in this world. It has lots of good uses. It is Drink, also drinking. It is not one of them. That, that's right. That's why we love talking about correct uses. Of alcohols. Uh, yes, yes. And specifically, I've got a story. Hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah, another correct use. Thank you, Lyle. <laughs> but specifically, I got a, a, a story this morning that is about how some Japanese researchers and scientists have been using ethanol to enable crops to hold water in times of drought so that they stay alive. Really? So basically, what happens to a crop when it, you know, goes through drought? Kind of like ethanol. You know, the crop, it gets stressed run up through your car yeah that's right do i yeah no no you need methanol <laughs> methanol is the ethanol is the the weak you know the weak that's stuff right. that it's they the methanol is the is the, the potent one the the race fuel yes dude yeah head down to your local speedway track and all you can smell is burning methanol it's, oh it's the best smell ever but again <laughs> uh, <laughs> again yeah so scientists in japan they've come up with this method of like treating plants with ethanol so that they hold their water and how they do that is that plants when they get stressed uh because there is like you know drought and whatnot uh they have pores that open and close and they found that when they get stressed and the pores close up that they use they produce a type of ethanol a tiny just trace amount of ethanol that runs over the over the skin of the plant to be able to protect it from the conditions that it's now in because it's not getting that constant amount of water now they have genetically modified plants in the past to always keep those pores relatively closed. They, you know, they pump it with water and then they keep it closed and they grow better. But genetic modification of plants takes a lot of time and eff- energy and effort. We have lots of ethanol. And they were like, okay, what if we just add more ethanol to the plant? We treat the plant with ethanol so that when it gets into this drought condition, it just holds the water better. Because there's more ethanol, like from the from the get go, it's just holding the water inside, enabling it to stay alive and grow. And that's exactly what they've done. And from all their trials that they've done with this solution so far, it's been 100 percent successful. Yes, they just chuck, that's amazing. Chuck ethanol on these plants, and bada bing, bada boom, they don't die in drought. Which is probably this what, is something we need in our world right now. Which definitely in Australia, like one of the biggest, you know challenges to plant growth here in Australia well, is either floods and or droughts. Or droughts. <laughs> One of those two. You know, we live... Well, we actually here in Australia, we live in a place which the land is so unarable. <laughs> like, like there's so much land in which we can't grow things because of a lack of water. And yeah, it's really ter- fertile land. You just can't grow anything on it because there's no water. There's no water. On those occasions when you do add water to it, it just comes to life and goes nuts. Yeah, that's right. So essentially all we need to do is get out here in these places, you know, 
add a little bit of water and then a ton of ethanol and then these plants will be able to grow. So yes, guys, correct uses of alcohol. You can see it right here. Don't put it on your body. Put it on your plants. There you go. Awesome Great story. Love stuff. it. Hey, I have another story here about the world's first 100% hydrogen-powered train. Oh, okay. So, yes. as you know, around the world, a lot of trains run on electrical power. You know, mm-hmm, they connect mm-hmm. to the power lines above it. But they're still, So they run on coal. That's right. They they're, run, still run, they're still running on coal. They're still running on coal. And then there's a number of trains, particularly in the Ger- in Germany and the US, uh, that still run on diesel. Yes. The diesel trains. Yes. But in Germany... There's still a few getting around Australia too. Some really? Of, some of your small... Uh, some of your small trains that run passengers mm. in areas where there's no electrical lines above the yeah, tracks, sure, they'll, sure, they'll sure. run diesel. They run diesel trains. Yeah. Well, right here they've created coal, our coal trains are running diesel. Yeah. Yeah. Right here though, in Germany, mm-hmm. they've created a train that can go a thousand kilometers mm-hmm. on a tank of hydrogen. How big a tank? Uh, so I was reading about the tank size. I had it here. Oh, they said, how many liters did they put in this thing? I mean, hey, at the end of the row, at the end of the day, does it really matter? I mean, hydrogen is one of the most common substances yeah, in the cares? universe. <laughs> like, and who, if they can fit enough onto a train for it to go a thousand kilometers, yeah. it's doing well for if, itself. If the train is, if the tank is half the train, then are we really concerned about that? That's right. It's still a train that's running on, firstly, hydrogen. the single most abundant element in the universe. Yes. Secondarily, it only leaves water vapor. Like there is no emissions from other than water. Other than water. I like this. Because it makes power by combining hydrogen with ox- oxygen. And what happens when you do that? Water. Water. <laughs> so this is a perfect so the, solution. So the, so the either side of the tracks is going to be pretty green. That's right. Oh man, you're just you're just it's helping a, the world. Let's put some good fences along there, it'll it'll attract all the wildlife. Oh true. Is unhealthy. Yeah, probably don't want to. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on the Breakfast Show this morning, let's have another question for our quiz. To before we get into more serious news, this is a pretty easy one, pretty straightforward one. Which woman was a judge of Israel? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Of course, she had an amazing story of coming to leadership in her country, you know, fighting. She was a warrior. She's a warrior, yeah. She was a general. <laughs> She's amazing. Yes. And she was a judge, which is essentially Israel. Before they had kings, they had judges that would lead them out of various tight binds and situations. For 2000 BC, she was not 2000, about 1500 BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe less than that. Maybe 1300. Let's sh- shorten it up a bit. Maybe 1300 mm-hmm. BC. She was going for it. She's legit. Yes. And absolutely. if you know who this is, 0491 Of course, you will go into the draw to win other amazing stories of faith, more from the late medieval and modern era, the French pilot, the man who couldn't be killed, and the richest caveman. Incredible biographies of people who did amazing things and had amazing things done to them as a result of their faith. But again, that question was, which woman was a judge of Israel? 0491 
All right, during the break, Lawson and I were talking about languages and the different dialects between languages. He yeah. speaks a bit of Spanish, he speaks a bit of Japanese, and he's been <laughs> learning the wrong Japanese, apparently. Yeah, tells on, him the- on purpose. It's, <laughs> it's the best. So I'm getting, like, people from the West, which is, like, Kansai area, they're, like, teaching me how to speak Kansai dialect, and then all the Kanto people, which is, like, Tokyo, like, where all the population is, they're like, hey, don't speak like that. Like, that's, that's like, hillbilly Japanese. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's so good. So he's learning Bogan Japanese. That's right. <laughs> um, and, of course... Of course, when it comes to Spanish, you speak what, Cartagena? Cartagena, um, like slang and dialect, which is just like, like you've got Madrid in the middle of Spain and then like Spain is a country that is so small, but the dialects are wildly different and the accents are so, so, so different to the point where like Madrid people struggle to understand Cartagena people, but that's because Cartagena people also speak like Bogan Spanish. <laughs> like, for example, for example, instead of saying like muchacho, which is like friend, or like empanada, which means like you know an empanada, which is like food, they say like acho and empanada, and like the way that they speak is just all slurred. And so that's how I speak Spanish, and then people are like. Bro, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's rough. Okay. All right, Zamb- so Zambian Christians are rejoicing at the moment. They've got three new Bible translations in oh, wow. their own languages. So Zambia is a country that has 73 different languages, which, you know, for us in Australia, it's hard for us to wrap our head around where we have one official language. Yeah. And even our indigenous population speak very little of indigenous languages. Most of those languages, sadly, Do have been exist. lost. Yeah. Um, but in Zambia, you only have seven official languages. Mm. Only seven. We have only one. Mm. Uh, but currently there are over 5,000 people working in Zambia to translate the Bible into 20 of those languages. Wow, that's amazing. They just released Ayushi, uh, Ninja, and Leia. Mm-hmm. I like the ninja language. The ninja, no, ninja's <laughs> language is they're, they're doing it. <laughs> okay, but uh, what's interesting here is that when you look at Bible translations from around the world. Most of the people in our world today are able to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean that they're able to read it in their language. Mm. It's most of the people around the world today speak more than one language. Australians are the most ignorant people on the planet it. when it comes to other languages. Mm. Okay, so the full Bible has been translated into around about or more than 705 languages. The New Testament has been translated into over 1,500 languages. Uh, portions of the Bible have been translated into three and a half thousand different languages. So that's a fair chunk. Uh, now, what's interesting is that Bible translation will begin in every needed language by the year 2038. Mm. And that is, at this stage, 112 years ahead of schedule. Mm. So this was a schedule that was put back, put down back in 1999. The Wycliffe Bible translators, like, okay, they went through, they identified all of the languages that needed translations, and then they estimated how fast they would be able to produce those translations. Mm. And they, you know, we're looking at you know, 120 years into the future and so forth, a long way into the future. Well, now with modern technology and artificial intelligence, that number has shortened up drastically. They weren't expecting to start on the final languages amongst that group for another 112 years, but they will be starting by 2038. Wow. And as technology increases, that might be a lot sooner. Mm. So in total, you've got 3,969 languages without any Bible translation. You've got to remember, you know, you've got some countries like Papua New Guinea, very, very small country, mm. about 700 different languages in it. 
That, that's a lot. And very small groups, language groups. But there are about 3,969 languages without any Bible translation at all. Mm. And about 1,157 of these are likely to never need a translation because they're so similar to other languages. So, for instance, sure. in Spanish... You only like, really need one translation. You in did Spanish. not. You did not need a, a Cartana version of the Bible. Like, <laughs> you probably don't want it either. No, no, like, yeah, she, she'll be right. Be, that'd be, be like, like that'd be like making a Scottish translation of the Bible. That's just like I and all this stuff. But yeah, it's not needed. Or uh, what was the name? Um, th- th- there was an Australian translation as well, which was just a little bit. Cringy. Oh, that was cringe. That's like, yeah, yeah. We don't need that. Currently, there are two thousand two hundred and seventeen translations in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Africa has the continent of Africa has about five hundred and fifty eight languages that need to be translated, representing about sixteen million people. Uh, the Americas have about 119 different languages, representing about 2.4 million people. Uh, Asia has 751 languages that need to be translated, about 124 million people there. Uh, Europe, just 59 languages and just 2.3 million people. The Pacific has 405 languages that wow. need translations, uh, but only 0.43, so 430,000 mm-hmm. people. Uh, for those 405 different languages. So this is something we need to be thinking about and praying for as people translate the Bible into their languages. Heading over to Iraq, yeah, the land between two rivers, between the Tigris and the Euphrates, they're expecting those rivers to run dry by the year 2040. That's Oof. not far away. These are two of the greatest rivers in the world. This is up there with, you know, the Nile and the and the, and and the uh, the Murray River. Oh, I was going to say the Murray River. Yeah, let's go to the Murray River. Uh, uh, the Mississippi. You got mm. the Nile. You got the Mississippi. Uh, you've got um, why have I gone blank on the one big one in Brazil? The Amazon. The Amazon. You know, these are there is amongst the great rivers of the world, mm. expected to run dry by 2040. And this is a result of a few different things. You've got climate change is contributing to rising temperatures and erratic rainfall. Mm. And so what you're finding is that the rainfall is not disappearing. It is just erratic. Mm. You're getting flood versus famine uh, kind of cycles that are starting to take place. And you've got most of the catchment for these rivers is not in Iraq. Mm. And so you've got surrounding countries are using all of the water before it gets to Iraq. And so, yeah, 2025, the report says the Euphrates almost completely dry, uh, the Tigris turning into a limited water course. Mm. So, yeah, watch this space. Not a fulfilment of Revelation 16, but interesting to observe nonetheless. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are going to have another question for the quiz before we get into our interview. That is, and this is this is another pretty pretty simple one, guys. I, I really believe that you'll be able to get this one. It says, Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel the ruler over the province of where? You just have to think of the, the question, you know, you know, what was Nebuchadnezzar the king over? If you know the answer, number to call is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And you'll go into the draw to win our amazing biographies of faith. But again, Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel the ruler over the province of 
where. We now have a resuming of the Owen Shaw story coming up, part three, getting into the amazing ways that God worked in his life through his incredibly hectic, terrible situations. But that is coming right now. Okay, so we're talking about this miraculous, and there's no other way of describing it, miraculous way that you are restored to your daughter. Mm. You end up receiving a house. You know, this is in Sydney. We all know how challenging that can be. Where does the story go next? You've had some really remarkable experiences with God where God has really shown Mm. the evidence of his connection with you. Well, I jump out of the frying pan and into the fire. So This is a very human story. Uh, yes. Yes, I think we all have that experience where we jump out of the frying pan and into the fire, and then we wonder why we did that or why we touched that hot thing. <laughs> and I got remarried, but I had actually an experience on a plane at this point, and it was quite a remarkable story as well. So we lived in an area of Sydney that was pretty unbelievable like a bad area mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. not a very good area know those areas well yep my son lived in i think the worst suburb for a while because it had the cheapest rent uh yes <laughs> well running a business you know you would never leave money in your pocket in this suburb it was just not something you did because people got rolled every every second day of the week and as i'm progressing to a flight heading over back to melbourne my Business had turned over significant money that day, about $650 that was sitting in my pocket in cash. And I was going to bank it and the bank was closed and I'm walking through this town that's not real good. We would just never leave money in our pockets. Sure, like yeah, it was, yeah. it was not, basically not, a... not what you would do. Yep. And as I got on the flight, I was kind of thanking God, hey, thank you for not, you know, for me not getting rolled. One of my mates was actually rolled on a train right next to that suburb a couple of weeks beforehand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So as I get onto this plane, the plane's completely full. I have my youngest daughter on the the flight. So this is a few years after the beginning story. Yep. And as I'm flying from Melbourne to Sydney, this flight's pretty full. We're down the back at 25E. Mm -hmm. There's only one empty seat, which is three rows up on the right-hand side. As we get onto this flight... The CEO of Jetstar was there and he basically starts getting up the front and saying, I'm going to take up a collection for Star Kids. It's a really big passion for me and I would really like to, you know, see if we can collect a good amount of money on this flight. And he says, I'm going to match it all dollar for dollar. I'm like, okay, cool. Yep. It's nice to see the CEO involved with a charity. As he starts coming from the front of the plane to the back of the plane, I start sweating. And I'm like, why am I sweating? And then I remembered the $650 in my pocket. And I had this unbelievable sense that God wanted me to put this money into the bucket. I'm like, all of it? And it it just kept resonating in my head, all of it. All of it. Put it all in. Put it all in. I'm literally sweating and like my palms are jammed together and I'm really stressing about putting all this money. Yes, yes, you know, you're in a small business. Yeah. And it, when you've got running your own business and you've had a, you know, a successful day, that feels good and God has preserved you through a bad part of town and yeah. how to pass it all over. Yeah, so as he comes down to the 
back of the plane where I'm at. I look up at him. He looks down at me. I pull the 650 bucks out of my pocket. I literally put my hand over my eyes and my head down. And I kind of just said, match that. Stuck it into the bucket. <laughs> he, he literally runs back to the front of the plane. Doesn't finish taking the collection. Like there's only like three rows left to go. He runs back to the front of the plane and he makes an announcement. And he says, wow, the gentleman at 25E has just given... Oh, six- he's got outed big time. Yep, $650 in cash for Star Kids. My wife is going to shoot me when I get home because I have to match that, plus all the other donations that you guys generously made. So we're going to be donating about $2,500 like for Star Kids. And <laughs> I'm kind of just sitting there going, did I just do that? This woman that's up in front of the seat that's empty on the right-hand side, she turns around and she tells me to come to her. So I walk up the aisle and... I start talking to her and she starts accosting me. She starts going, why the hell would you do that? Why on earth would you give $650? You have a beautiful daughter and a beautiful, beautiful family there. You know, why wouldn't you just buy them something nice? You know, all these kids, they don't deserve it. They they don't need all this. They don't need anything like that. We support them so much. We put so much money into it, all this sort of stuff. She's very angry. And she's angry at me for donating this money. Yikes. Right? And she starts calming down though when i start telling her why and i said look i'm a christian and i found god in the hardest of places and i felt cold in that moment to put that money into the thingo and as she starts talking to me on this plane she starts explaining that she's actually going through something really tough she's thinking about leaving her husband she starts telling me her story of how her relationships are falling apart at the seams. Believe me, I'm in no position to be giving advice in this particular scenario. All I can do is show you how not to do it. So she starts talking to me and I start telling her about God. I start saying, look, I'm a Christian and God called me to do that and God can take your pain and he can take your anxiety and he can take your suffering. So you're having the conversation with her that that a chaplain at a yeah. school had with you many years previous. Yes. And amazing how and, God works. Now wait, cuz there's the penny that will drop in a moment. So as I'm talking to her, I said to her, "Have you been reading any books or the Bible or anything like that?" And she says, "Oh, Yeah, I have this book that's in my bag. As she pulled that book out of her bag, I realized that I had been 100% set up by God because that book was Steps to Christ. Oh, wow. I mean, Steps to Christ, for our listeners who might not be familiar with it, is one of the most famous books that there is anywhere in the world on the conversion experience. It's been translated into like more than 150 languages. This is Mm. a classic. This is a classic on having a relationship with God. And as I'm sitting there, I just, I marveled at what God was actually doing just with my tiny little piece mm-hmm. of a story mm-hmm. that had already happened. And yet I still didn't focus on God. I still didn't get it. But you can see the story starting to develop. Okay, so the story is developing here <laughs> and you've had this whole experience of where you've been witnessing to this lady and she's been reading Steps to Christ. Tell us more of this story because I'm fascinated with what God has done with your life since you... Even this point on the plane, I know I believe in Jesus at this point, but I'm by no means anywhere close to... Mm. I'm still doing 
the wrong things every single day. And God uses me in my imperfection as well. Yeah, that's the case for all of us because none of us are perfect and we're all weak, broken, sinful human beings. The problem with me is the fact that I'm kind of like Jonah. I'm always running in the opposite direction, always trying to figure out how to do it on my own, how to make things work without God in my life. And yet every time I realize he's the only way forward, he's the only way that I want to run in anymore. It took me a long time to realize this. It took me a lot of time when I got really, really sick. I was sick with something called Lyme disease. Oh, nasty. Lyme disease in Australia, they didn't really believe that it existed. So every time I would go to anywhere, they would basically say, no, you're, you're not sick, you're just crazy. I got sick so much so that I couldn't get out of bed for months at a time. I lost my business. Things got really, really rough. I had a marriage that was only a year old. And after you get sick, you realize that people don't actually say what they mean. They, you know, won't stick with you through sickness and in health and all these sorts of things. In fact, as soon as the money dried up, so did my relationship. And, you know, Sorry, these things are hard to talk about. No, not. that's all right. And if you don't, if you, you don't need to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. So um, if you want to take a break and do this another day, that's entirely up to you. Uh, look, I, I need to share my story because God's called me to do exactly that. Mm-hmm. Because you see, it says in the good book that by your testimony, they'll know me. Mm-hmm. And I know that I've been called to tell my testimony to as many people as I can tell them. Sure. To. So I... I continue, but it doesn't make it less hard. It doesn't make it less emo- emotionally draining no. to talk about this sort of stuff. Yep. So I'm now on the cusp of losing my second marriage. And nobody wants to admit that they've been divorced twice before they were 30 years old. No. As I started progressing down this path, I was about 33 when it all, like when my final nail in the coffin of my marriage. But... I'd been sick for four years, and I kept refusing to surrender completely to God. I was always running in the opposite direction, thinking I could do it myself. I couldn't. The illness that I had, it would make me wake up with air hunger. Like I would have like nervous twitches. I would have brain fog. I couldn't even think. I couldn't move, couldn't do anything. My company goes insolvent. So this multi-million dollar company goes insolvent, and I have... Nothing I can do but lay there at a certain point contemplating why I'm alive and thinking maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe it's easier mm-hmm. if I'm just not here. I had a million-dollar life insurance policy and it mm-hmm. had a suicide clause in it like all of them do. And the only thing that you can think about is, you know, should I just pull the pin? Is this the end for me? I remember laying in a bath of ice water because it was the only thing that would stop my hands and feet from swelling up. Just thinking I could just duck under the water here and that would be the end of it. I had been at church a couple of weeks beforehand. They'd been talking about surrendering through this series that they were doing at church. And the day that I was sitting in this bathtub, laying in this bathtub, I'd heard a sermon about not being ankle deep in the water anymore. And I was like, yeah, well, that's pretty much me. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm only ever ankle deep in the water. I'm never actually 
doing anything of value for my God. And that's the thing about being a Christian is the fact that you're actually called. If you're just claiming to be a Christian because of the fact that it gives you a cushy feeling and all that sort of stuff, then you're not really a Christian. A Christian is actually a cause. Yes. You are called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And yet I wasn't doing any of that. I mean, yeah, I'd had one experience on a plane, but I wasn't really out there. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't sharing with anybody else. I kept my mouth shut more times than I did open it. And I liken it to holding all the cards. If you're playing poker, you want a royal flush. You know, that's what you want. Yep. And I'll tell you, that's what Jesus gives you. He gives you a royal flush. And here I am in this bath, literally delirious, can't think straight. Like I said, I'd heard this sermon about not being just ankle deep in the water and that God will keep you in an uncomfortable position sometimes until you actually surrender. I went downstairs and I I flopped onto the couch, just moping because I didn't even have the guts to end it. And as I flick on, there's preaching. And I kid you not, it's literally word for word, the sermon that I just heard at our church across the road. And it was like three years before him. Wow. There's no plausible or possible way that that sermon could have been copied or whatever, but it's all about not being ankle deep in the water and surrendering completely. I started praying on the floor. I said, God, you know, you've changed my life, but here I am with this relationship and it's, by the way, I found my second wife in a uh, nightclub again. Not a real good place to find women. I just want to point that out to all these listeners out there. It's gone badly twice. It's gone badly twice. Frying pan, fire, two different things. Mm. I said to God, look, okay, I, I give in. I surrender. I surrender completely. I can't do this without you. Please heal me. You know, I'd been on antibiotics like you would not believe. There were so many different varieties that I couldn't even make them out half the time. And I'm pretty sure they did just as much damage to my body like the illness itself. But one of my biggest regrets actually came when I was at the Senate inquiry into Lyme disease. And I gave evidence because I had a proven case of it in Australia when apparently it wasn't supposed to be existent. So I went and I gave evidence. These people that were there, they had a whole bunch of people with their diaries and they're all standing around and they're all still sick. And now I was well, because you see, after I surrendered, I started seeing healing. Mm. But we're all standing around at this incentive inquiry. And as I was standing there, we compared our notes and our notes are identical. The same antibiotics, the same symptoms, you know, right down to the, the time of night that you would wake up with insomnia. And yet I'm actually well. And no one else is. And nobody else is that had this illness for three four, five, six, seven, ten, twelve years, and I'm standing there well. And, you know, my biggest regret in life to this very day is not standing up when I was holding all those cards. I'm holding all the cards because my Savior has healed me, mm-hmm. and yet I failed to play the hand. Instead of saying to all these people, God gave me some healing, I let it go, mm. and I didn't say anything. But this is not the end of the story, though, because you've done amazing things for God since. The way that we met was as a result of something that you did to really enable pastors to stay in contact with their congregations. So God is very patient. He continues to work. Mm. And one of the things that I really want to draw out from this is you can go through some dark places, but God can use those experiences to really enable you to do amazing things for him. 
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.